0: Hello, and thank you for listening to the Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast. I'm glad that you're here. Wrestling with Fatherhood is all about equipping dads to discover their strengths, understand their value, develop their goals, and live out their dream to become their children's biggest heroes. Today, I'm pleased to introduce one of my good friends, Terry Burgess. Terry, thank you for being on the Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast. You're welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm, I'm excited to get into this one. Terry, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family.
1: Well, my name is Coach T, or uh, America's Midlife Coach for Men, that's my moniker. Uh, my mission is, after I had my midlife crisis turn disaster, I made it my mission, after listening to God talk to me through my mother and through others, that, to help men face the challenges they have in midlife, but they're afraid to do it alone. Or they can't give up that macho feeling of, I have to ask for help, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to do this on my own. So I help them understand that it's okay to ask for that help and to understand what they have to do to succeed in life and to either rediscover their passion for what they wanna do in life or even remodel their life totally in that so that they can feel happy as they move into the midlife years and eventually into retirement and everything. Um, As I said, I developed this passion for this work after I went through my own midlife crisis turned disaster. From 2007 to 2015, I went through a period that you know, when I've told the story before, I've had men, women say, and you survived, and yes, I did survive. It was during this that I survived uh, my ex-wife not handling her mental illness, uh, bipolarism, and things like that, and I was going through uh, abuse from her mentally, physically, and emotionally. She attempted suicide, I had to have her arrested one time for the abuse. Um I had to claim bankruptcy because she would spend our entire a uh, month's paycheck in less than 24 hours. Oh wow. And I was having to uh scramble to pay bills and things like that. Uh I also, you know, ended up losing my job that I'd held for 15 years at a university that I just loved. But in 2009 I I took on another challenge, and that was taking care of my mother as an only child uh, and her living out of state. She was dying from kidney failure due to type 2 diabetes. Um, Also in 2011, you know, my ex-wife's mother had a stroke. She left in June of that month, took her son with her. You know, I had raised him since he was four years old and was really his only male influence other than his grandfather who had passed away in 2008. So, you know, that was very rough, uh, especially with the fact that, you know, I'm an only child. I've not had any kids of my own. I've been a step parent to my first stepson. Now my second stepson in my new marriage and my stepdaughter who's 16. So, you know, I've been blessed there, but also, too, when I worked at the university, I used to crack the joke that I um, was a surrogate parent to 3,400 kids, uh, and people's faces would light up in that, and I go, <laughs> but that's the way I felt it, being in the, in housing and residence life, you know? I considered each of those kids my kids because I wanted to treat them as I would want my kids treated if they were in my care. So. But after four and a half years of separation, I got a divorce in 2015. I married my uh, new wife uh, who I'd met in 2012. And she was my biggest supporter and the biggest one there to support me as I was rebuilding my life, my self-esteem, my whole way of living. And, um, you know, I went from living in a fraternity house to now living in a 112 year old antique house. I got a great family. I have my own business, and uh, you know everything is gone great.
0: Wow, man, Terry, it sounds like you've been through a lot, and I've had the uh, the pleasure of of listening to what you've learned through each of one of these challenges, and it's incredible. So, as somebody who something that you a couple of different things that you you talked about that I really want to pull out. Uh, is one is this idea of being a step parent, and so I, I would love to hear what does being a step parent mean to you
1: well here's my answer, and it's something my mother remind me whenever I married my second wife i've been married three times. the first wife and I didn't have any children she didn't have any desire to have children um When I left high school, I I wanted a big family. I wanted five or six kids. God didn't have it in my plans or or in his plans for me, but uh, he gave me the ability to love other kids. And that's what I found whenever I was in housing residence life, like I said earlier. But my mother told me when I first told her I was gonna marry my second wife, she said, now that kid you treat him as if he's your own. You're not just marrying your wife, you're marrying that child. You don't treat him any different. You don't You don't say, you're not my son, so don't come around me. And I've always remembered that. Um, I think it's one of the gifts God gave me was to love others' kids. Because when I worked in housing, I was able to be a father and that too several thousand and they'll tell you, I treated them each like their mom and dad in that. I give them advice. I give them corrective, um, constructive criticism. Uh, I'll even get mad at them, but at the end I'm gonna come back and support them. So being a step parent is no different than being a regular parent in that. I think the big difference is you gotta treat it as if they are your own. They may not be your flesh and blood, but they are a part of your family. And, you know, if you don't treat them that way, then they're going to think, Hey, I'm not important. And they're going to start acting up. They're going to start acting out and they may separate from not only you, but their parent. And then you have all these issues outside of there.
0: And Terry, that's something I really respect. and I love about you that as a step parent and, and, Yes. I think step parents, when you look at the media, when you look at TV, when you look at movies, you know, step parents have got this horrible reputation and I love one of the things I love about you is you have no problem taking on that responsibility. As somebody had mentioned earlier in a previous podcast, you have no problem with the idea of dadding up, dad (laughs) up and and being that dad to that parent. And I absolutely love that. So let me add
1: one thing there. You know, if, Back whenever I was working at the university, one of my coworkers, he'd get mad at me. He was actually my supervisor there at the end. He would get mad at me because I refused to call my, my stepson, Nathan. I wouldn't use the term stepson. I called him my son. You know, his father wasn't in the picture in that. I was his father figure in that. So, you know, he got mad at me for that. He said, he said, I called Nicole my stepdaughter in that. And that just upset me. I said, she's not your stepdaughter. She's your daughter, but you share with someone else. Just like now, the two stepchildren I have, I share them with their father and his significant other. I understand that. I'm actually glad that their parents are involved in their life, because I've also gone through the side where the parent wasn't, and it makes it much easier. Yes, there's more challenges, but it makes it much easier in the fact that they've got that other influence and they know that they're loved not only by two people, but really by four.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that just moves right into my next question, which is, as a step parent, or I guess as a parent, yeah, how is it that you add value to your children's lives?
1: Well, I tell my kids, and they know it, anything they need or they feel like they need to talk or deal with, come come get me and that. I'll listen and that. I'll do what I can to help you. I may not give you what you want, but I'll give you what you need so that you can get to where you want to be. Um, You know, one of the goals I set every year and every quarter is I have not as much with my 20-year-old anymore, but uh, I've done it with all three of my stepchildren when they were under 18, is I would set up a number of things that I could do with them by myself or with their mother to do things out. You know, go to the movies, go to the park, go shopping at the mall, whatever, you know, just finding ways to connect with them, go into the movies, you know, and that's something I do to add value to their life. Uh, you know, and uh, I, you know, I do follow and uh, go with them to their events. You know, that's like right now, my stepdaughters in Boy Scouts, robotics, Girl Scouts, uh, was in the band last year, and we would all be going every which way, but crazy. But that was part and important to me was to be there to support her. And that adds value.
0: I, I love this idea of completely supporting whatever it is that your children want to do. And, and I think that that is one of the things that makes a, uh, a great parent. So where do you think the fear comes in as far as being a step parent? And how do you think that this paralyzes stepdads from giving it their all?
1: I think it comes back to the stereotyping of what the media and our society has given to step parents—the evil stepmother or the evil stepfather. Uh, you know, and it's it's not what it should be. You know, like I said, my mother told me, I'm not just marrying the woman. I'm marrying the kids. Yeah. I am a parent. I am a role model in that. And I need to live up to that standard. I think that that's a major problem in our society now is, and you know, you and I have talked before, is men are willing to do the deed, but they're not willing to pay the price after they've done the deed and be the dad. They'll either leave, as in the case of my first stepson, Nathan, and not come to help, or they'll be right there with them. But most of the time, they're not there.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, I know the two of us have talked in detail, great detail, about how men need to to man up and to, to dad up. And, you know, it seems like everyone's willing to do the deed, and nobody wants to – uh, everyone wants to do the deed. Nobody wants to deal with the seed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants to, uh, you know, deal with the consequences or take up their responsibility. And, uh, again, that's something I greatly respect, uh, about what you're doing. Uh, so what's one of the biggest pieces of advice that you would give to any step parent out there?
1: I, I think back to the commercial that I hear on radio all the time and TV the one that says you don't have to be perfect to be a good parent and that you just got to be there be present and that's the key be present I'll tell you right now there are times my daughter's ready to scream at me hit me upside the head because I'm I'm not giving in or you know I'll be aggravating her but at the end of the day I know that she knows that I'm right there for her. I'm in her corner. And I know that she's in my corner in that. And that, you know, right there just makes makes it all right.
0: And that's awesome. That's uh, <laughs> uh, a small – I don't know if she will listen to this podcast. A small shout-out to to my mom. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that she likes to say is that's precious – Mm-hmm. And the reason why I, uh, I, I'm i thinking of her is with what you're saying is is the one thing that she always told me and, and you know us kids growing up is that if we're ever in a situation that we don't like and we think that there's danger or we know we shouldn't be in, that we can call her at any given time and say, hey, we need you now, and she would be there in a heartbeat. And it goes back to what you were saying, and saying a second ago. About you know you don't always give the kids what they want, but you give them what they need, mm-hmm. and that way later on they can kind of get what they want. So kind of a uh, just really made me think of my mom and and uh, you know just kind of the that kind of principle that she, she kind of instilled in uh, in us kids.
1: Well, and you know I I got a quick story it just happened this week. My first stepson Nathan, um, I was at Walmart. Um, two days ago. I stopped in to uh, pick up a couple of items I needed for the house and uh, I just happened to see him and it's rare I get to see him out in public in that uh, because he works 16 hours for his company and uh, he was in the the store working, he's a vendor. And uh, I stopped and I said, how's things going? And we talked for like five to seven minutes and You know, he was just just real upfront with me in that. And I said, you doing okay with everything? You know, because he had to deal with whenever his mother moved him to Paducah, being removed from me. And I was the one who had done everything with him. And, you know, his mother actually had told him he was forbidden to talk to me. But we'd talk at times behind, you know, Either through phone chats or or uh, chatting online, and so we just sat there and talked in that. And he said, he even asked me. He said, "Am I going to see you down in Columbus?" I said, "Well, I said I may. I'm not for sure yet." And Columbus is a civil war reenactment that goes on here in the Western Kentucky area each year. And he's a he's a civil war reenactor in that. He's big into history and military. And I said, yeah, I said, I'll be there. I said, you know, if I am, I would like to at least get to see you and talk to you. He goes, well, look me up and I'll let you know. And that you know what unit I'm in. So, you know, it was just, it's because I treated him like he was my own, that now, you know, and as my wife today tells me, he'll come back around when things are able to be there and that. And so that makes me feel good
0: yeah definitely uh you know i can understand how that would be rough and and feel like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place uh so yeah uh and and moving right along uh you know i want to talk about your your business a little bit Uh, what are some common issues that you feel or that you have found that men deal with in their midlife crisis
1: well you know stereotypically people think of midlife crisis as only a men's issue. No, that's wrong. It is a men and female issue. What the difference is, is how they handle it. First of all, females will confide with their friends and their uh, their uh, close group of friends. Men, well, we're a little different. Number one, we do have friends, but nine times out of 10, we don't tell them everything we're we're taught to keep things bottled up inside to not let people see you have a problem that machoism and yeah. uh, so we deal with things where we make the decisions, but we don't seek out advice in that um, There was a study in two thousand sixteen the the whole issue of midlife crisis. It was defined in the 60s. Um, and, you know, people said, well, it's, it's not a true phenomenon. Well, 91% of the, the people polled by the Today Show said, yes, midlife crisis is a phenomenon. It may not be for everybody, but at some point they have the characteristics. And those characteristics are, they may go out and buy big ticket items. They may go and uh, consider having uh, an affair or a flame. Uh, They may, uh, you know, and this is the big one, they question where they're at in life. They've lived their life, but they've lived it to other people's standards. They didn't follow their dreams. They didn't earn the money they wanted to. You know, like in my case, I didn't have children. You know, I didn't have the five children that I wanted in that, and they were not in my flesh and blood. Uh, I never envisioned having three wives. I envisioned the happy marriage. That didn't turn out. You know, some people envisioned being uh, in corporate and they're working a, a line job. Whatever it is, they've got to deal with those challenges in that. And that's where my, you know, Business comes in and tries to help them understand. It's okay. We all go through it now Let me help you deal with it and develop a plan to move you to a Level that you want of success Um, You know We all get it comfortable in life and we get happy with being on that hamster wheel of life just repeating day in day out getting paid our cheese and that is a hamster of cash and paying the bills and moving on. But then we give up on our dreams. I want to give people their dreams back. I want to give them the ability to learn how to live a life that they're happy with. And that's what I do.
0: Absolutely love that. You know, there's probably somebody listening right now whose spouse is going through this midlife crisis, who, who, who they're going out they're spending money that they don't have. They're going out and they're trying to buy a new car. By a motorcycle, go out, and you know they may, they may even be trying to have an affair, different things like that. So, what's the best thing that someone's spouse can do if their uh, if their spouse is going through a midlife crisis?
1: Well, first of all, they need to be supportive of their mate, regardless, male or female. It and understand it's natural. It it, it is a phenomenon. And each person is different. But, you know, they may not want to talk to you as their spouse. So encourage them to go talk to their friends. Encourage them to, you know, own up to the fact that they are questioning where they are in life. They may want to go talk to a pastor or a uh, good friend maybe a family member outside of the nuclear family, maybe an uncle, maybe a aunt, you know, someone they trust. Uh, I tend to tell people to don't bring up the C word counseling or a psychiatrist because they'll probably get the same response that I gave my ex-wife back in 2006 when she was trying to tell me that i needed counseling and that to deal with the passing of my grandmother and i you know and i basically snapped right back and said there is nothing wrong with me i do not need a counselor and that's the end of the story that was my macho man talking (laughs) you want to know what by 2007 I was in counseling because I had started for marriage counseling and she quit after two sessions and I continued on. And that counselor was my best friend from 2007 to when I lost my job in 2009. And, you know, I wish I could have kept the counselor after 2009, but when I lost my job, I lost the ability to pay for because I was getting it free through the university. And my insurance didn't cover it in that. So, you know, just be, you know, be understanding, be be supportive. And, you know, and I'm not saying be supportive if they're having an affair or things like that. that. You're going to have to deal with that. That's a delicate subject in that. But at the same time, if you want your life to be centered around your marriage relationship, do whatever it takes to deal with that, and everything.
0: It kind of sounds like, and I could be wrong here, so correct me if I am wrong. But it sounds like you're telling you're you're telling our listeners to to be supportive, to try to find that deeper issue, that mm-hmm. deeper rooted thing that is you know causing the affair, that's causing the you know the 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 need to own that brand new car, to to that need to have that attention, you know. That To find out what that deeper issue is, and then once you find that deeper issue, you can really grab a hold and and start supporting the spouse Mm -hmm. in a way that they needed to be supported. Okay.
1: I like to think of it, and I'm glad you said that, of a Vidalia onion. Many different layers. You know, when you go to the Outback and you get the uh, onion blue, you've got all of these petals. Well, men have a metal onion bloom around them. They're not gonna let things out. They're not gonna let them see your, your, you're not gonna get a man to really let them see their emotion. You're not gonna get them to just come out and tell you how they feel. They're going, they're going to hide it. They may, some people may call it lying to men, they're just hiding their emotions in that. And um, you know, and so you've gotta get in, you gotta peel away those layers figure out what is the issue, like you said, and that's what I have to do in my coaching. Uh, I've had several clients where I've had to, it's taken me five or six sessions just to get the first layer off. Then after that, the layers get a little bit easier, and, and it can take up to like, like a client that I had just a few weeks ago, eight months just to get to the inner issue. And now, we're actually starting to work on that.
0: Awesome. So what type of process do you take people through in order to stop this type of behavior or be, uh, or like the the behavior or the thinking?
1: Well, what I do is I first, and this sounds crazy. I ask them what they want their life to look like when they're done with my coaching. I want to know what that dream is that's inside. And I'll have them actually write it out and, you know, and I'll hold on to it and keep it there. And I come back to it throughout my process. And then I start peeling back the other layers and then I'll ask, you know, little by little, I'm, I'm taking those layers out, you know, asking them, you know, tell me about your relationship with your wife. Tell me your relationship with your kids. Tell me about your relationship at work with, uh, you know, your co workers. Do you have friends? What do you do for fun? Yeah, all of that. I do personality, um, you know, the DISC personality as well as the Myers-Briggs to help them learn about uh, interactions with individuals. And, uh, you know, and those are things that I do to help make it, you know, to give me more insight to what they are. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a base process that I have, but it's different for each person because each person is different in that. I may I may be able to skip over steps one, two, and three because I'm familiar with that, and I can go to step four and five in that and start there. So that's basically what I do in that. I, I break them down, and then I rebuild them.
0: That's awesome, so i I love how in your in your story kind of going back uh backstepping a couple of steps, how you were talking about how you know you went through this midlife crisis, and now, when people look at you, they may define you as somebody who has been a success, mm-hmm. so my question is how would you define success
1: tough question, and i I define success for me, using Earl Nightingale's famous term for success, which is success is the progressive realization of a worthy idea in that. And, you know, if you're doing what you can to attain what is considered a worthy idea or a worthy goal in your life, then you're a success. It's not, you know, we don't carry our riches with us. You know, when we die, we all go to the same place. We're ashes to ashes. We're dust. Our soul goes to heaven. Um, you know, there are, you know, we talk about legacy. You know, I consider my success part is I want to leave a legacy of helping others and knowing that there's people out in the world that want to help others too. And if I can help them do that, then that's success. That's a worthy idea. So that's how I define success.
0: Awesome. Absolutely love it. So what are some of the best resources that you have found that can help shape somebody's life?
1: Well, I can tell you the three best resources outside of the Bible itself that I believe. Number one, Dale Carnegie's. How to Win Friends and Influence Others. Just don't read it one time. Read it multiple times. You'll get something new out of it every time. Same for my number two resource, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Uh, Our friend Dan Miller tells about him listening to it every night on his 45 record when he was growing up. You know, I actually probably listen to it about once a week in that, just to keep it in my head. And the fourth one, this is going to sound real funny. This was actually the first success book I, or self-help book I ever read. And I read it when I was a sophomore in high school. It's called Tough Times Don't Last, But Tough People Do. And it's by Dr. Robert Schuler, who used to be over the Crystal Cathedral, and that as a pastor. And that was the first book that taught me how to be, uh, what's the term? Resilient, uh, to not allow negative things to rule my life, but to see them as opportunities to grow and to become better. And, uh, you know, and I, I've actually bought a copy of it in hardback because my paperback copy I had from 1984 and 85, yeah, it's no more than that. And it's one of those books that, you know, to me, it's not like How to Win Friends and Influence Others or Think and Grow Rich, but it is one of those that has a deep meaning for me.
0: That's awesome. That, definitely some books I need to check out. I know I've got the uh, How to Influence People and Win Friends or How to Win Friends and Influence People as uh, uh, the name of the title. And then uh, Thinking to Grow Rich is actually a, a book that I'm reading through right now. So uh, some great books, some great recommendations, some great resources. Uh, to end here, tell me a little bit more about your business and what your mission in life is and, and, and your mission specifically as far as helping other men.
1: Well, my business is called upward mentoring and coaching or and uh, terry burgess uh enterprises and i help like i said empower and support men in their midlife years 30 to 70 to navigate the challenges they face during those years as they progress from be from the young adult stage to um, retirement and uh you know The oldest adage was that midlife was started at 40. Well, now, the people are having midlife crisis or midlife challenges much later in their lives, 45, 50, 60, because the lifespan has changed. There's even a new new term out there called quarter-life crisis because many of our youth today They're millionaires before they're 18 or they've done things that, you know, we as midlife men didn't have back then, you know, because of the Internet and things like that. And they get these crises starting early. So, you know, we're starting to see now where we're having to deal with young men in the same situation. So but uh, I, you know, I currently have my own podcast, uh, Midlife Second Chances podcast. Where I give out information and inspiration to help not only men but women as well too. To hear stories about people who've overcome tremendous challenges, maybe losing a hundred pounds, maybe uh, overcoming a battle with cancer, or uh, overcoming you know the loss of their entire family by a disaster or something, and you know, and and giving out that information to say, hey, if if they can do it, you can do it, and empowering people. I also have a blog that I use to uh, pass on information and to help others. Um, I do group coaching, and I also do um, individual coaching. Um, and starting in 2019, I'm actually going to start public speaking and uh, doing conferences in that to help support.
0: So, what's the best way if somebody was listening to this podcast and they resonated with what you said? They, they were thinking, man, I need to get some help. I need to get some coaching. I need to you know, get a hold of this Terry guy. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? What is your website? What is your email address? How would you like to be uh, connected to other people?
1: Well, my website is www.terry, T E R R Y, P is in Patrick Burgess. B-U-R-G-E-S-S dot com. That'll take you to my website. Uh, On there, you can schedule to have a free session with me for coaching. Uh, Also, too, um, you could go on there to read my blog and uh, post about my uh, podcast. And then my email address is actually very simple. Terry at Upward M as in man. C, as in coaching.com.
0: Wow, absolutely love that. Terry, man, thank you so much for being on the Wrestling with F- uh, Fatherhood podcast. Uh, you've given a, our listeners and myself a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. Uh, so, you know, definitely, uh, definitely appreciate that. So if you would like to know more about Terry, definitely go and check out his website. Uh, and if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what we're doing at Wrestling with Fatherhood, Check out our website at www.fatherhood.com. That's www.fatherhood.com. Check out our Facebook group, Wrestling with Fatherhood. Uh, check out any of my podcasts. I've had some awesome guests on. I will, uh, you know, continue to have some awesome guests on. Uh, some great words of wisdom. You can also check out my blog at the www.fatherhood.com. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you guys all have a great day.